Hello, I'm Leslie Garfield-Tenzer, and this is Law to Fact, a podcast for learning the law for law school. Today we are talking about common law contracts, specifically the parole evidence rule and extrinsic evidence. First, a few disclaimers. Disclaimer one, this is just an overview. You are always responsible for understanding the case law that supports any rule of law. Disclaimer number two, always remember you take the professor, not the course. So if by some chance you are listening to this and I am not your professor, keep in mind that I may emphasize and even include or not include areas of the law that are different from your professor. Okay, let's talk about the parole evidence rule and extrinsic evidence. First, the parole evidence rule. The parole evidence rule is just that. It's a substantive rule that regulates the introduction of evidence in a lawsuit challenging the existence of a particular term in a contract. The parole evidence rule usually turns up on an exam in the following scenario. The parties to the hypo are negotiating to enter into a contract. Before signing the contract, they have a conversation about a particular term. Then, when it's time to sign the contract, that term is not in the contract or a term in the contract is not what one of the parties thought it should be. Maybe it's left out. Maybe one party asks to include it and the other doesn't worry about it. But either way, the parties do not agree as to what the exact term is and whether it was included in the contract or not, since it's not written in the contract. Then when it comes time to perform the contract, one party doesn't meet the obligation the other party thought was a requirement of the contract. The issue is, what should the term in controversy be? In other words, who do you believe? The person who says the term is in the contract or the person who says it's not? Think of it this way. Market calls Apples R Us to order 100 red apples delivery on June 5th. Apples R Us says, great. Well, on the phone, Market asks that apples be sent by refrigeration. No problem, says Apples R Us. On May 4th, Apples R Us sends Market a confirmation for the sale of 100 red apples delivery June 5th. It is silent about refrigeration. Market calls Apples R Us and says, hey, what about refrigeration? Oh, we forgot, says Market. Just sign the memo. Don't worry that that term isn't in there. We'll send it by refrigeration. Market sends back the signed agreement without any mention of refrigeration. And yes, you guessed it, Apples R Us did not send the apples via refrigeration. Was refrigeration a term of the contract? Apples R Us will say no. First of all, they don't want to look like a breach, and secondly, it wasn't in the contract, in the written document. But Marco will say yes, we discussed it twice. Who does the court believe? And that's where the parole evidence rule comes in. The parole evidence rule is a substantive law rule that prevents a party from presenting outside evidence or testimony to contradict the existence of a term or a contract. Stated more formally, Prior oral and written agreements and contemporaneous oral agreements, these are called parole agreements, are not admissible in a court to contradict or add to the terms of the writing. The general idea is that courts will not allow evidence of prior agreements or contemporaneous agreements because if they were that important, the parties should have put them into the written agreement. So going back to our hypothetical, market is out of luck and will be barred from introducing any evidence of the discussion. But that's the general rule. We need to be a little more specific. The parole evidence rule, which again is a rule as to whether testimony is permissible to prove the existence of a term, has a few caveats. Parole evidence is the out-of-court discussion. 
paroling speech. So we are talking about out-of-court discussions that occur prior to or at the same time as the signing of the contract. But keep in mind that even though parole means speech, most courts hold that prior written agreements are also not admissible under the parole evidence rule if they contradict the terms of the written agreement. The parole evidence rule has certain limitations depending on whether the contract is completely integrated, meaning all negotiations have been integrated into the contract, or partially integrated, meaning it's clear that there was still a little room left for negotiation. If the contract is completely integrated, that means that it is a final expression of the negotiation of the parties, then parole evidence is never allowed in. How do you know when a contract is fully integrated? Look for what is called a merger clause, a clause that states something like this. This contract is a final expression of our agreement. A merger clause, or the like, says that the parties have agreed to all the terms and therefore there are no other terms that are part of the agreement. When a merger clause exists, it makes sense that the courts will not let in any evidence to contradict or prove the existence of the term. The contract that the parties signed speaks loudest to whether a term exists. So in other words, a merger clause merges all the negotiations into that final document. When an enforceable written agreement is the final but not complete expression of the parties' agreement, we call that a partially integrated contract. In partially integrated contracts, parole evidence may add to, but may not contradict the written terms. So going back to the apples are us contract for 100 apples, if the agreement is only partially integrated, it doesn't have a merger clause, Apple or us would not be able to introduce evidence that they had a conversation that it was okay to, let's say, send only 90 instead of 100 apples, since that evidence would contradict the existing quantity term. So to recap, where a party wants to introduce evidence of a prior oral or written communication or contemporaneous communication about the existence of a term, parole evidence is not admissible if it contradicts a term or if it is used to prove a term was omitted. With regard to omitted terms, parole evidence is not admissible if the omitted term is the type of term that is so integral to the contract that the parties would naturally include it if it were meant to be there. For example, a lease for a soda shop would naturally include a non-compete clause for other businesses not to sell soda. However, if the term is one that would not have naturally been included by the parties, then the parole evidence rule is admissible to show the existence of a separate and independent agreement. For example, let's say that a CEO enters into negotiations with a jet company to buy a jet. During the negotiations, the jet company offers to give the CEO flying lessons. The contract is made, and it's all about the terms of the jet, including the size, its fuel capacity, delivery date, etc. The contract says nothing about flying lessons for the CEO. But during negotiations, the CEO had asked for flying lessons, and the jet company said, sure, we'll give them to you. Once the jet is delivered, the CEO notices that the flying lessons were not in there. The CEO sues the jet company, which is refusing to deliver the flying lessons. Take a second and think about this. What is the jet company's best argument for keeping the parole evidence discussion about flying lessons out of court? What is the CEO's best argument for getting it into court? Well, the CEO's best argument is that parties would not include flying lessons in the sale of a plane. The sale of a plane would be just for the good. The plane and the flying lessons are a service. 
If a party can show that the term they discussed would not naturally and probably be included in the signed contract, then the party wanting the term to exist can prove a separate oral agreement. So here, if the court ruled that the flying lesson would not naturally and probably be a term included in the contract for a sale of the plane, the CEO can argue that the parties had a separate oral agreement for service of the lessons. On the other hand, the jet company's best argument is that this was an out-of-court discussion, a prior or contemporaneous discussion that was not included in the writing, the document for the jet, and that the document for the jet was a negotiation of all our terms and the signed writing controls. Under that argument, parole evidence would bar existence of producing that term. So that's parole evidence. What about extrinsic evidence? Extrinsic evidence, outside evidence, is used to explain a term. By explain, I mean what did the term mean? What does indemnify mean? What does release of future rights to music mean? Jurisdictions are split with regard to how to interpret a particular term. In New York, the court will ask itself, is the term explanatory from the plain meaning of the contract? If yes, then the court will not allow additional evidence to explain the term. In California, the court will first look at the extrinsic evidence available and see if that evidence would be helpful in explaining the term. If the evidence is helpful, they will let the evidence in. So extrinsic evidence is outside evidence used to explain a term. Parole evidence, parole meaning speech, is evidence of prior agreement or contemporaneous agreement to a term that the parties did not put into writing. So that's the discussion of parole evidence rule and extrinsic evidence. When thinking about parole evidence, try to think of its purpose. When parties sign a written contract, they are usually concluding the bargaining process. Professor Marvin Schulstein in his contracts case book said it best. He said, The purpose of the rule is apparent. Since the completion and execution of a written contract is typically the concluding point in the bargaining process, one's ordinary expectation is that the document itself will contain all of the conscious and important elements of the deal. The parole evidence rule assumes that the formal writing reflects the parties' minds at a point of maximum resolution, and hence the duties and restrictions that do not appear in the written document, even though apparently accepted at an earlier stage, were not intended by the parties to survive. Also, it helps to think about it in terms of spelling. Parole is spelled P-A-R-O-L. There is no E. This is different from putting someone in jail. So that's our discussion of parole evidence and extrinsic evidence. It's complicated stuff, but I hope this podcast made it easier. And that's all for today. Thank you again to www.bensound for supplying the music. If you like these podcasts, please let us know. Rate us on iTunes, give us a shout out on Twitter, and let us know what you think. (laughs) 